Welcome to the Newsmakers Podcast. I'm Billy Hollowell, and this is a show where we go behind the headlines every day to bring you an interview with a pastor, entertainer, politician, or other notable news figure. And this is a show, again, it's daily, but it's based on our weekly TV show, which is also called Newsmakers. You can watch it on the CBN News Channel and also on our YouTube page. And on this show, every day, we dive deep. It's a little more longer form with one of the people who you will often see on our Newsmakers show or across the CBN News platforms. On today's Newsmakers, an artist details his descent into the occult and how he ended up leaving it all behind for Jesus. We're talking with artist Timothy Gagnon today about his new Illuminated Messiah Bible, as well as his journey to faith, an incredible story of leaving the occult and finding Christ. With no further ado, here is Timothy Gagnon. Well, I want to thank you for, for coming on today. There's a lot in your story I want to unpack. We're going to talk about the Illuminated Messiah Bible, your beautiful artwork, and I want to get into your testimony, particularly your dabbling in the occult. You know, so many people today in this culture, where we are right now, the occult is actually growing. It's a phenomenon that a lot of people are engaging in, unfortunately, a lot of young people. Let's talk about your story. How did you get into that, and what did it, what did that look like in your life? Well, first of all, thanks for having me on, on your program. I really appreciate getting a chance to talk to your talk to your viewers, and uh, we just it's exciting to be here. So thank you very much, first of all. Um, well, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. My, my background is... I was raised in a in a in a kind of like for lack of a better word a Christmas and Easter Catholic family. We didn't we didn't, we didn't really attend that much. Um, I was confirmed. I went to catechism every week. You know, went through all, all of those things. Um, and so on one hand, we were like a devout Catholic family, but we didn't really go that much. And it, when you grow up in that kind of a setting, it was like, okay, well maybe God's not that important. And over over my life growing up. It just, that seemed to be part of the aspect. God's not important. He's not a priority. So in the sixth grade, my uh, my teacher made us do an oral report. You know, those terrifying things where we have to stand in front of the class and give a little talk on something. But because it was such a small town that we grew up with, she knew every one of us from the day we were born. So she knew all the boys were going to pick hunting and guns and things like that. And all the girls were going to do what they picked. So she made us do something you know nothing about. And then she marched us off to the school library and trying to pick a subject you know nothing about. I'm like, okay, well, I can't do it on comic books and Spider-Man and all these things. What am I going to do? I ended up finding a bunch of books on the occult and witchcraft. It's it, we, I grew up in New England, so there's you know, Salem Witch Trials and all that. And I ended up going, well, I don't know anything about that. Might as well do it on that. And long story short, from the sixth grade to my junior senior year i was very involved in the occult uh channeling spirits casting spells playing with ouija board six to eight hours a day uh, all of those things and oh yeah all day long all night long and uh, with two other friends and we were just really getting too far too fast too deep um into the occult and one day i was casting spells in my room and channeling spirits and i felt a presence that was greater than anything I had encountered before. And I instinctively knew it was God approaching. It was the spirit of God that was approaching me. And I was terrified. 
I was just natural. I was just like, okay, God's coming to kill me. In my brain, my my teenager brain, I went, he's coming to kill me because I've been practicing the occult. I've been working for the other team and he's done with me. So, so you knew what you were doing was wrong. You knew oh, it was yeah, wrong. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I was convinced that I had, I, in my brain, we had convinced ourselves that basically history is written by the winner. And because God won the first war in heaven, he got to write the story, but the actual story was God was really the bad guy and Satan was the good guy and, you know, that kind of a thing. That's what we had convinced ourselves of. So, but we knew we were on the other team. And, but when I felt the presence of God coming at me, the only God that I knew of was, was the, the Catholic church down the road. And so, because in my hometown, you were either Catholic or you were a moose. Those were your options. It was a very small town. And uh, very, very just the Catholic church was really the only thing I had ever known. And so I ran out of my house in a panic and I ran, cut, cut across Mrs. Pelsch's yard and ran down to uh, the rectory and ran into St. Joseph's Catholic church, ran straight into a confessional booth and told Father LaCroix everything. <laughs> I mean, everything. And he was a little freaked out. And that's when... I realized that God knew where St. Joseph's Catholic Church was also because he apparently followed me in there. And I felt his presence in that confessional booth and God started to speak to my heart. And I didn't hear him with my ears. I didn't hear him with my heart. I heard him with my teeth. In other words, it felt like every atom in my body was just shaking from his presence. And I remember him saying to me, stop it. Enough is enough come and follow me. And that wow. was enough. I said, yes. I said yes to God. But then I left the confessional booth. I said yes to Jesus, not knowing exactly what all that meant. But immediately I stopped everything and I had this weird, strange hunger for the things of God and the Bible of all things. And you have to understand the way I was raised, the Bible was not something that you went near. I was raised in a way that it was kind of like, People that went to church too much were really, they were either really old and they needed that, or they might molest you. That's how I was yeah, raised. Yeah, they're and weird. There's something wrong. Yeah. Everybody I knew was raised that way. You know, if you read the Bible, you'll go wackadoo. You'll go wackadoo in the head. And so, but I had this yearning for the Bible. The only Bible I had access to was the Golden Books Children Bible. You know, the one with the big pictures with Jesus with yellow hair and blue eyes and things like that. <laughs> devil was literally in a red spandex suit. You know, that's the Bible I had. And I hid it under my mattress because I was afraid to get caught with it. And that's the way that I was raised. So I, I had this encounter with Jesus. I had this born again experience, but I didn't know there were words for that. Yeah. And so years later, I joined the military and I met my flight commander. His name was Captain Mark Hayes. He, he retired as a, as a, as a Fulbright colonel. But uh, he was Captain Hayes, and, and I did my reporting statement. I introduced myself, and he said to me, one of the very first things he said was, I'm a Baptist, what are you? And I told him, I'm French. <laughs> because, yeah, I know. Because I never heard the word Baptist in my life. I didn't know what he was saying. <laughs> then he looked at me like I had two heads, and he, he started to witness to me. And he, he hit me with like the Wallman's Road, evangelism explosion, all these different ways of witnessing to me. And about halfway through his presentation, I would stop him and be like, that is exactly what happened to me. 
but I wasn't fitting into his, you know, his theology a little bit. And so he would hit me from another way. And I'd be like, that's what happened to me. That's what happened to me. And he kept coming at me from all these angles. And I kept interrupting him saying, oh my gosh, that, that, that happened to me. And finally exasperated, he sat back and he goes, you're born again. And I, of course, said, what's that? <laughs> I had never heard the word born again before either. So he decided I didn't need salvation. I needed discipleship. And so he he gave me my first real Bible with no pictures in it. And he started to teach me the word of God. And the way that he did it goes right in line with what we'll be talking about in a minute, the Illuminating Messiah Bible. I was an artist in the military. And he knew that I was an artist at heart. And so to get me into reading the word of God, he would call me in his office on Mondays and say, Airman Gagno, I'm doing a, a Sunday school class on David and Goliath. Can you paint me a picture of David and Goliath? And oh, I wow. would think, sure. And he would say, hold on now. It has to be biblically accurate, <laughs> which made my ears tingle. Wow, what's that? And then he would <laughs> take me on an hour to two hour Bible study on David and Goliath. And then... And only then was I allowed to go paint the picture and bring it to him for his Sunday school class on Friday. He did that all the time over the time that we served together. And before I knew it, through all these Bible studies, I was learning to, number one, fall in love with the Word of God, the Bible. I just fell in love with it without even realizing it was happening. And the other thing that he taught me was, is God has a plan for your talents. And the skills that he gave you you can use those for the spreading of the gospel, for the edification of the body of Christ, and to help disciple others. And so to this day, that's what I do with my art. So I want to get into your art in a second here, but I have to ask you, you know, you spent a, lo- a number of years as a young person. And when we look at the stats, it's young people today who are engaging in crystals and Ouija boards. And I mean, it Absolutely. is exploding among young people. You were there. You went through this. What what kept you doing those things? Were you experiencing, when you were casting spells, when you were engaging with the occult, were you experiencing anything as a result of that, any power as a result of that, or was it more just activities that you enjoyed doing? I assume you saw or experienced something or you wouldn't have kept doing it. You're right. And and that's really, the, the, the facts are, is the supernatural realm is obviously real. You know, most people say, oh, I believe in God. But then when you go into, well, you do you believe in the devil? Well, they get all questioning. But I mean, the devil is just as real as, as God. He's an angel. God created angels. God created Satan. There, there is two sides to this spiritual <laughs> war. And it's real. It's just as real as you and I talking all over the internet right now. So yes, absolutely. When I would cast spells, when we would channel spirits, we would experience supernatural events and things that we couldn't explain and especially with teenagers, you're very emotional when you're a teenager. And I think the devil uses that in a very, very powerful way. He gives you the heebie-jeebies just enough to get you thinking, whoa, what was that? And then you want to do more and you do more and you do more and it's a slippery slope. And the next thing you know, you're doing things that you never thought you would be doing and believing things you would never thought you would be believing. And that's the lure of the occult. It's, it's In a way, it's, it, it's like a drug. You know, just give you enough to get you more and more and more. Well, uh, hours on the Ouija board. I mean, that's a common thing. You know, you start the Ouija board for five minutes and then you're doing six to eight hours on it as you were. Exactly. And you're spending exactly. a work day's worth of time engaging sure. with what you think are dead relatives when in reality 
you're talking to the demonic realm. I mean, did you experience anything evil that that freaked you out or was it much more of what you were just sort of saying that sort of light scaring you in just enough but holding on to you? Well, in the beginning, it was the, the, ooh, scary, ooh, wow, that was fun, that was scary, that gave me the heebie-jeebies, but towards the end, oh, no, it was very in-depth, we were very involved, it was, it was you know, we had three spirits that we were channeling most of the time and, and communicating with, and, you know, whether they were masquerading as something else or if they were really, really those demons, um, you know, that that's debatable, but we were constantly communicating with three entities um, that, that claimed to be, you know, one claimed to be a demon, one claimed to be an angel, and one claimed to be a lost spirit in purgatory is, is the, what we had believed when we were when we were going through and communicating with them uh, on a constant thing. And, you know, I mean, that that look, like I said, the occult's real. And, and there are, there are spiritual powers on the other side. It's, you know, we, everybody wants to think God has all the power and he does, but that doesn't mean that the occult doesn't have, doesn't have forces and things that they, that they do. So the thing about your story, that's really kind of cool and unique. And you were hinting at it before when you went into the military, you're using those art skills, you're, you're painting those beautiful images. And now here we are with this Bible, the illuminated Messiah Bible, this is not just the Bible. It is also imagery weaved in 66 different paintings that come together to form something pretty incredible. Talk a little bit about the impetus for this and what you're hoping to accomplish through it. Awesome. I appreciate it. Yeah, the Illuminated Messiah Bible, this is like, as an artist, this is my magnum opus. This is my Sistine Chapel. Um, this is, I'm exhausted. <laughs> Five years <laughs> I have been working on this thing. And you know, five years in the studio, you know, there's nobody there but me and God and a paintbrush. And, you know, that that was really what this was. And so my favorite thing to study in the Bible are my favorite Bible study, if you will, is Messianic passages, the Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah and then their fulfillment in the New Testament in Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth. Those fascinate me. They get me really pumped up and excited. But because I'm an artist, I think and communicate visually. And so when I'm reading any book, I don't see words, I see images. And as an artist, any artist will tell you, I gotta paint that. They have this thing where they go, oh, I gotta paint that, I gotta draw that. And so over time, these paintings started to develop through my Bible studies. And then I love the idea of incorporating the actual word of God with art. And that's a very ancient form of art, a very ancient art form called an illumination. And all that word means is it's gold leaf, calligraphy, and narrative art, all combined into one. So an illuminated manuscript Bible, just like those old Bibles from, from the Middle Ages, some of your some of your listeners may be familiar with the, the Book of Kells, um, is the most famous one. But that art form actually goes all the way back to the, to, uh, the Babylonian captivity, in a Hebrew tradition called Hidur Mitzvah, which means the beautification of the Torah. In other words, making the Bible, the Word of God, beautiful. And it's a very ancient trend, uh, uh, tradition in the Hebrew that the Christians during the Middle Ages adopted. And so this is a modern take on that. And so what I did was I made 66 Messianic portraits, Jesus in every book of the Bible. And then from that, 
study of the Messiah, it's kind of like, think of it like a painted devotional, you know, uh, contemplating the Messiah and who he is and what that means. The coolest thing about it is that there's a little, there's a little surprise hook is that all of the 66 paintings, even though they're individual paintings, they combine together and they form a 12 and a half foot cross, which in the art world you call a polyptych image. Um, and so think of, um, you know, there's a famous polyptych of Marilyn Monroe where you see all the pictures of her in different colors. That's a polyptych. Multiple images combining into one big piece of art. The 66 messianic paintings combine together form a 12 foot cross that reveals a surprise image of Jesus on the cross. And so wow. Moses parting the Red Sea in Deuteronomy are his toes. The Queen of Sheba is his knee. Um, Jonah and the great fish are his right forearm, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That is incredible. I mean, there's so many different elements of that that you've weaved together into this project. And I love the fact that, you know, we, we just scratched the surface of your story, right? But that you went through this occultic experience, you know, separated from God in, in some of the most terrifying ways, brought were brought back by God. And now these beautiful talents that you've been given have come together to create this illuminated Messiah Bible. You're a strong believer. You're out there sharing the gospel, bringing this together. Uh, pretty incredible. And people can grab the illuminated Messiah Bible wherever books are sold. You know, I really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing your story. It's just an amazing testament of what God can do in our lives when we let him in. Absolutely. Amen. I, I mean, I just love the word of God. I love Jesus. And, you know, he saved me. And sometimes I look back, I'm like, what was he thinking saving a, a, just this little kid from northern New Hampshire? And, and to see the things that he's done in my life uh, from that. You know, it's, sometimes I feel like I'm talking about somebody else. <laughs> because I'm 52 now, and I talk about that little teenage boy that was in the occult, and I'm like, it's like I'm talking about somebody else, because Jesus has transformed my life so much. I'm such a different human being that it's like I'm talking about somebody else that I know really well. But uh, that's the difference that, that God has made in my life, and I love to share that with people so that they can experience that, and hopefully way more and in bigger ways than I ever could. So that's really one of the reasons why I like to use my art to express my faith in Christ to others. And so, so we have to go. Oh, I'm sorry. We have to go in just a moment, but I have to ask you this before we go, because there are a lot of people who might be listening to this or watching this who they might have kids who are dabbling in the occult. They may know a neighborhood kid who is. They may know an adult who is. What's some quick advice you could give to people about how to navigate that, what to do, or maybe somebody themselves is engaging in it. Well, the, the biggest thing, if you know somebody or if you have a child or things like that, the biggest thing that you need to do is take your faith very seriously and live it in front of them in a way that's attractive, that they see the difference in you when they see the power that you have walking with the real God, what I call the most high God. That's what the Bible calls him in the Old Testament. You know, that matters. That matters because a lot of people that are playing the occult, it's a power kick. It's they like the power that they feel. They they like the the draw of that. You know, what made me go from doing an oral report in my class to being hooked on it was that during my oral report, I cast a spell in the sixth grade and it worked. Now, it's debatable, was it a coincidence or did it work? 
I honestly couldn't tell you, but every kid in the school for about two weeks was running away and diving out of the way in the hallway going, Ooh, Timmy's got the devil, watch out, you know? <laughs> but I said, if I could do that thinking it was hocus pocus and a big joke, what would happen if I took it seriously? Yeah. So if you can live a, 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 an authentic, deep Christian faith in front of someone that's thinking the other side, that is extremely, extremely attractive to them because they want to know why. Because at the end of the day, people that are seeking the occult, they're what the in the 90s we called seekers. You know, they're looking for the truth and they've just mm. found something that gives them a quick fix to the truth. And God's not a quick fix. He's the ultimate answer. And so if you yeah. can show them that, it attracts the, them to the real truth. I love that. And what a simple and amazing message. People are looking for truth and power, and we find that ultimately in Jesus. Appreciate your time today, Tim. Hey, thank you very much for having me. I can talk all day about my Jesus. That's all for today's Newsmakers podcast. Be sure to tune in for the next episode of the show and also head over to the CBN News YouTube channel and the CBN News channel to watch Newsmakers every week. We'll see you soon.